idea. Innovate, develop, experiment, adapt. This is how organizations grow. Wouldn't it be nice to know that someone is listening to your ideas for growing our organization? Well, we are. If you're a staff member of the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections or Board of Probation and Parole, and you have ideas for improving efficiency, improving outcomes, or reducing costs, please be a part of our new idea initiative. Your experience is important and your ideas matter. We invite you to submit an idea by emailing your idea to ra-cridea at pa.gov. You may also use the link to the old beta.gov email address, which can be found on DocNet under the Initiatives tab on the beta.gov page. For more information, an idea webpage will soon be added to the Initiatives tab on DocNet. Every idea is considered and will be followed up on. And please stay tuned for more info on our idea initiative. Bringing a, a computer model into the game that can look at all of those individuals at the same time and make the best possible decision based on all the information that you have in that moment, all of the resources that are available. What is the best facility for this individual and then overall as a department? Innovation discovery means uh, that uh, looking at something what everybody looked at and seeing the way or something what nobody's seen and doing something what nobody even thought of. Uh, what we have uh, done uh, has helped OPM to optimize the assignment of the inmates. This was really an incredible journey. This is a major innovation and a major opportunity. On this episode of Pracademically Speaking, I talk with some industrial engineers from Lehigh University, also affiliated with a newly found company called Optimo. These folks have been working with the Department of Corrections over the past several years to create an innovative inmate assignment system. This system is the first of its kind in the country. I also speak with current and former staff from the department's Office of Population Management who have been using this innovative inmate assignment system. I think you'll enjoy this episode. Stay tuned. Well, we're joined here today for this episode of Pracademically Speaking with some pretty smart guys that have done some pretty incredible things for the Department of Corrections. I'm really excited to interview today. We have uh, Tomas Terlaki, Mohammed Shab Safa, and Anshul Sharma. Uh, they're affiliated with uh, Lehigh University and now a new uh, company that they've started. And they can tell you a little bit more about that company in this episode. Uh, so, I, first of all, I just want to have them introduce themselves, tell about their background and how long they've been in their position and, and where they are. So, uh, Tomas, start with you. So my name is Tomasz Terlaki, I'm professor of uh, industry and systems engineering at Lehigh University and uh, 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 founder and uh, owner of uh, the Optimo company. Uh, professionally, I'm a lifetime professor, was professor in Hungary, professor in the Netherlands, the University of Technology and Canada McMaster University and the last uh, 11 years at uh, Lehigh University. 
professionally I'm focusing on industrial engineering, operations research, uh, <clears throat> all the methodological and uh, all the application side. Uh, prior to this project, I worked on many other applications like nuclear reactor reload optimization, oil refinery optimization, radiation therapy treatment optimization, <clears throat> and many related uh, methodological and computational uh, <clears throat> issues. Mohammed, tell yeah. us about yourself. Uh, uh, my name is Mohammed Saab Safa, and uh, I've got my bachelor's and master's in industrial engineering, and recently I got my PhD in industrial engineering from Lehigh University under supervision of Professor Lucky. And uh, in the last four or five years, as part of my PhD dissertation, I've uh, worked on optimizing the assignment of the inmates uh, to prisons in Pennsylvania. Great. Anshul. Uh, I am Anshul Sharma. I graduated. Uh, uh, I graduated from Lehigh University. I got a master's uh, last year under the supervision of Professor Lucky, and I've worked on the op in uh, in developing the Invel assignment decision support system uh, while optimizing the. Uh, assignment of inmates and scheduling of inmates to different programs at different facilities and uh, right now I'm the chief information officer with Optimo uh, yeah okay and you are all three industrial engineers and I'm quite certain that a lot of our listeners will not know what industrial engineers do when I started working with you I, I did not know myself what industrial engineers do could you tell us a little bit about what you do as in terms of industrial engineers what what kinds of problems do you solve and, and what kind of work do you do uh, so industrial engineering is a very broad field which uh, even more recently uh, is more frequently uh, cited as industrial and systems engineering uh, uh, so industrial systems engineers are uh, dealing with uh, improving uh, processes, improving work processes, modeling large systems, streamlining and uh, optimizing uh, their operations. Uh, and uh, it includes uh, mathematical methodology, managerial knowledge, computational methods, and ultimately in every application area has to get to the uh, actual knowledge of that specific area. So beyond the Department of Correction uh, processes, historically industrial systems work in steel manufacturing, big car companies, air, uh, airline companies like uh, Boeing and Lockheed Martin, logistics, uh, transportation, uh, the big uh, trucking companies are all use uh, extensively operations research, industrial engineering methodologies. <clears throat> But you can go to healthcare and pretty much any area of the, the industry or the government uh, where large systems, complicated processes are uh, present, all of those streamlining, improving quality and efficiency, optimizing the process. That's uh, the focus of industrial engineers. Okay. And that, do you want to add anything? Uh, I would say that, uh, as Professor Lucky mentioned, uh, industri in industrial engineering, we mainly uh, deal with uh, improving processes. And that uh, could, uh, say, be in any, basically any industry, starting from airlines to corrections. And uh, I guess it's worth adding that, uh, to the best of our knowledge, this was the first time that uh, industrial engineering uh, concepts has been directly built into business operations of a correctional system. Let's, so let's talk about that. 
let's talk about the history of your work with the Department of Corrections. And I guess it's been about seven or eight years now uh, since we approached you and for this project. Uh, tell us a little bit about the history behind what we now refer to as the Inmate Assignment and Decision Support System. Uh, how did that start? What was the problem behind that and the thinking behind that that led to our collaboration over these years? Uh, I, I probably take the first crack on it uh, because uh, it really started by now uh, about seven years ago and Mohammed and Anshur was not here at that time. It literally started with a phone call. Uh, we got a phone call from a person from the uh, Department of Correction and my secretary was uh, uh, sticking her head in, into my office and said that someone is calling to the prison. Do you want to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, yes, <clears throat> why not? Uh, and that's when we learned very quickly that, yep, the Department of Correction, the correctional system has a very large-scale assignment problem. Uh, <clears throat> later learned that uh, it's combined with the complicated scheduling problems and is talking about thousands of inmates and <clears throat> dozens of uh, institutions. Uh, <clears throat> so the, as I mentioned in a previous uh, item that industry systems really work in every kind of areas of industry and government services. But to my best knowledge, it was never worked <coughs> on correctional systems. So that really triggered an interest and we started to study the problem and then started to recruit also people, students who, who <coughs> can work and can contribute to it. And this is point uh, where uh, Mohamed and Anshu can tell their side of the story, how they got involved in the project. When did you guys join the project? Uh, I was brought along uh, in uh, 2014. It was my beginning of the second year of my PhD. Professor Lucky uh, suggested me to work on this project and uh, it sounded like an interesting project at that time. And, uh, and uh, so at that time, uh, there was uh, basically nothing. It was just a problem and uh, some kind of uh, background work that was done on formalizing the process. Uh, it took, uh, took us about a year to uh, formalize the problem through having extensive discussions uh, with the OP OPM and the DOC personnel. And after that, we started developing a, a kind of a mathematical optimization model, which uh, enables the DOC to optimize the assignment of inmates to prisons, considering all the rules and criteria of the assignment. And it's worth mentioning that by now we have more than uh, 100 different rules and criteria which affect, uh, which impact the assignment and must be considered uh, for assigning inmates to prisons. And uh, after that, we've been uh, extensively testing the system with the great help that we've got from OPM. And, uh, and I would add to that that it's been a key uh, uh, reason for the success of this project. Uh, I started this. I started working on this project in 2016. It was the first semester of my uh, master's or program with Le at Lehigh, and I really wanted to uh, work into something which was completely offbeat. And this uh, application of optimization and correctional industry seemed the perfect fit for me. And uh, at that time, uh, by, two, by the end of the year of 2016, the optimization model was already in good shape. And there was a need uh, in order, there was a need uh, to develop the frameworks around the mathematical optimization. And that's where I came in and I started working with the with designing of graphical user interface and establishing the 
the data connections to uh, to the system that we were intending to create. And uh, since then, uh, it has been a great experience for me personally. Uh, and, and and then we have seen that uh, IDSS and the application that we have created has uh, shown really good results, and it has it has saved. Uh, a significant amount of taxpayers' money, and at the same time, it has optimized it has optimized the process in general. Let's back up a little bit. We jumped right into the discussion about IADSS. Can you tell us, from a, a high level perspective for a layperson, what the model does, how it works, and what makes it so innovative? Uh, before even going and uh, saying anything about the model, and probably I let it to uh, explain in the high level for Mohammed, but I would start with a cited from uh, one of the Nobel Prize winners, uh, Albert Sanyard, who discovered uh, vitamin C. <clears throat> and, uh, what he said that innovation discovery means uh, that uh, looking at something what everybody looked at and seeing the way or something what nobody seen, and doing something what nobody even thought of. So this is really the, the situation here that uh, a lot of uh, people and a large organization in the correctional system is dealing with assignment and program scheduling. Uh, but we were looking at with a completely different eye, with the eye of industrial systems engineers. We have seen as a complicated process. We developed the mathematical model around it and uh, come up with the solution and the solution methodology, which was never considered and never uh, implemented in any correctional system in the world. Uh, so what the model is, what the innovation of it, let Mohammed <laughs> explain and also from the IT side, I'm sure. So I would, I would start with explaining how the inmate assignment was done before this project started. At that time, the assignment of inmates was uh, done manually and sequentially, meaning that uh, for each inmate, if there was a petition, then a staff member of OPM reviewed the petition, considered all the uh, factors which impacted the assignment, and made an assignment for that inmate. And this process was done sequentially for all the inmates that needed to be assigned. Uh, what we have uh, done uh, has helped OPM to optimize the assignment of the inmates. And uh, by optimize, uh, we mean to consider all the rules and criteria of the assignment. I can uh, give us some examples of some of those more. rules. Yeah. yeah, what would be some rules? Uh, like uh, now we have about fifty to sixty so-called general factors okay. which impact the assignment. For instance, custody level of the inmates, uh, mental stability, physical limitations. Uh, type of the crime they have committed, separations, and uh, so uh, these are basically the general factors that must be considered at the time of the assignment. Uh, the other aspect is to consider uh, available beds of the facilities. So that has to be taken into account when uh, assignments are made. Uh, and uh, on top of that, the distance of uh, inmates to their committing county is another factor which is considered at the time of the assignment. We would like to minimize the distance of inmates to their home so as to facilitate visits from their families. Uh, but uh, one of the uh, most important and probably most complicating factors that we have considered uh, in the IADSS is uh, to schedule the treatment programs for inmates. 
Before this project started, it was impossible to consider the scheduling of the treatment programs at the time of the assignment because it was a really complex system. And uh, considering in mind by a human, uh, I would say is extremely difficult. But now what we have done uh, is that we consider the scheduling of the treatment programs for the inmates who need assignment at the time they are being assigned. And uh, by doing that, uh, the IDSS has helped the, uh, the DOC to uh, reduce the waiting time significantly. Uh, so those are basically the general rules and criteria of the assignment that has been considered. And uh, the other uh, aspect which is important to mention is that now by, idea, by using IDSS, the assignment can be done simultaneously for all the inmates that need to be assigned. Meaning that, uh, like, let's assume we have a set of 100 inmates. Previously, they had to be done sequentially, but now we consider all the inmates and make a simultaneous assignment for all of them. What is the added benefit of that simultaneous assignment? Uh, so uh, then, so I would compare simultaneous and sequential assignment here. Uh, if, if assignments are done sequentially, then uh, the assignment of the future inmates uh, is not considered for the assignment of the inmates now. But by simultaneous assignment, we consider uh, all the inmates and their needs at the same time and try to optimize the assignment across the board for all, for the, for all the inmates that need to be assigned. Okay. Anshul, anything you want to add about what the model does or what makes it unique or innovative? Uh, apart from, I think, Mohammed already uh, did explain a lot about mathematical model. I would want to go uh, about the graphical user interface that helps a user, the end user at OPM, uh, to to interact with the mathematical model and to give it instructions in order to get the results. And uh, apart from that, we've also uh, we also do extensive uh, data cleaning uh, in the beginning when we want to enter when we want to input those data to the mathematical model. And uh, we also generate a lot of reports at the end of uh, the results with the help of the results of the mathematical uh, results of the mathematical optimization model. And that has helped, I believe, OPM in, uh, in looking at things from a different perspective. And yeah, I think, I think this, this uh, application, I mean, has created a really good impact on the process in general. I think we agree at the Department of Corrections, and this would be the part in the podcast where I want you to brag about the work that you've done. <laughs> I understand that you've received uh, a number of accolades and uh, um, uh, attention for the work that, that you've done on this. Could you talk about some of that, some of the accomplishments and the recognition that, that this work has received? Um, <clears throat> This was really an incredible journey. So it, uh, we got an uh, uh, incredible amount of uh, recognitions and accolades. Uh, starting from the <clears throat> Wagner Prize, the Wagner Prize, uh, which is the most prestigious uh, uh, prize from the Institute of Operations Research and Management Sciences for the most impactful novel application of operations research, which has the biggest impact in society or industry. Uh, and it's an international competition, and uh, it was really a great honor and great experience to win that, win that prize. That's the most prestigious prize of all area. Uh, we also were invited to the Pennsylvania House and Senate 
as you know, as I said, for to be openly recognized for the significant contribution to the well-being of the Commonwealth. Uh, we got the uh, congratulatory letters from Senator Casey. Um, <coughs> students have got also prizes for <laughs> poster and other competitions, but they should tell that too. And, and, and people became doctors from the project. <laughs> <laughs> PhDs. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Obviously, a PhD degree, master's yeah, degree. Yeah. But also, uh, Anshu was uh, uh, receiving uh, the best uh, uh, project poster prize of the department uh, in the year when uh, he was uh, finishing his master thesis. I think Mohamed was also PhD student of the year yeah. <laughs> at the department. Um, and uh, just is ongoing at this point uh, also moment that uh, uh, we are with the same project uh, with the Optamo, we are now also finalists for the service system prize of the Institute of Industrial Systems Engineers, that's our other major uh, uh, professional society. So the presentation and the final decision will, will happen May 2021 in Orlando at our uh, other national meeting. Let, let's talk about Optimo. Give a plug for Optimo, uh, and I understand this is the company that you've developed out of this work. Uh, what kind of work do you see yourself doing going forward? Uh, so Optimo was established in uh, early 2018. And uh, the main idea was uh, to uh, first support and enhance the IDSS, which is developed for Pennsylvania Department of Corrections, and try to extend the application of uh, industrial engineering concepts uh, to corrections in general. And uh, I have been working at Optimo since October as a chief operating officer. And uh, since then, we have uh, focused on, uh, on looking uh, for other states and other jurisdictions uh, to see and find out about the areas where we might be able to contribute. Uh, so that's one. And the other is uh, the inmate assignment decision support system is only one of the many products that can be developed to improve processes in corrections. There are many other problems that can benefit from, uh, from industrial engineering concepts. Uh, as an example, uh, treatment program scheduling uh, is, uh, is an important process that can significantly benefit uh, from uh, from this kind of this area of expertise, uh, and uh, by that we mean uh, try to optimize the scheduling of the treatment programs for the inmates at the facilities, and uh, that is uh, a, an extremely complex process. And I would say, manually planning for treatment programs uh, is cumbersome and uh, takes a lot of time. And for that reason, if, there, if a system uh, is developed to optimize that process, it could significantly uh, help to improve the efficiency and uh, reduce the costs. I will, uh, I guess, allow Anshul to explain about other areas. Okay. Uh, we have uh, we've act we've learned a great deal of uh, correctional processes from the, from the meetings that we have had regarding the IADSS process and we were able to look into other areas and processes where we can use optimization 
uh, in general. As a part of my master's thesis, I was able to study uh, with the help of Muhammad and with the help of Professor Tarlaki. Uh, I was able to study the inward transportation problem and uh, where we create routes and then we assign buses to those routes and then inmates are assigned to those buses in order to be transported from one facility to another. Uh, this process again was is still a manual process and uh, we were able to we were able to generate uh, really good results uh, by doing that first study during my master's thesis and uh, we were able to project a savings of a million and a quarter uh, for annually and uh, I, I think I think the applications of industrial and systems engineering concepts in the area of corrections are practically limitless when it comes to optimizing processes in general. And uh, I think we are well equipped uh, in order to address all of those challenges in general. Any final thoughts on future work in corrections for industrial engineers? I think part of the purpose of this podcast is to stimulate innovation within our department and within the field broader. Uh, that's why we're doing this podcast, so that we can uh, generate new ideas, stimulate new ways of thinking, um, innovations. Uh, any parting thoughts about what industrial engineers can bring to our field in corrections um, to help improve our outcomes? So the, the major point is that um, Industrial systems engineering methodologies so far were not uh, utilized in correctional systems. And this is a major innovation and a major opportunity from here. Uh, we also, as Optum, as a company, we've seen a great opportunity to capitalize on it. Uh, as a small startup company at this point, we are building and expanding our uh, reach. But uh, just uh, beyond the uh, uh, program scheduling and transportation, what uh, Mohamed Anshu mentioned, uh, industrial systems can do personal scheduling, can do much more detailed logistics, especially in, uh, in large systems like a federal system. <laughs> That's uh, another major. Uh, every kind of analytics, uh, <clears throat> so analytics as we usually uh, classify is uh, uh, <clears throat> descriptive analytics, which is essentially trying to figure out what happened, studying statistics, analyzing data, and then uh, uh, trying to learn from those processes. Uh, predictive analytics is, again, based on that data, trying to predict what can happen, and that's a major area in image classification. Uh, <clears throat> based on the data of, let's say, in a larger uh, inmate population and the individual characteristics of uh, certain inmates uh, <clears throat> making predictions, uh, what is the chance that that person would be violent or suicidal or many other <clears throat> aspects uh, can be asked uh, in the predictive analytics uh, area. And the big, big other uh, last area is the prescriptive analytics that's essentially modeling and optimizing systems. So you are studying the, the area, studying the system, describing mathematically, designing uh, computer-based systems like IADSS, and then that helps the decision maker and every employee to make optimal use of resources, improving uh, security, reducing costs, and having much better outcome for the system. I guess I would like to uh, thank uh all the staff members of the DOC who were involved in this project, starting from PRS, uh, Jesse, uh, yourself, 
uh, as the director of PRS and uh, Jessica Campbell was uh, who has been the project manager since I was involved for more than five years by now. Uh, she's done a fantastic job in uh, in uh, facilitating all the different aspects of the project. I would additionally like to thank uh, OPM, uh, the then director of OPM, Bill Miklow, and now Aaron Brown, uh, who have uh, great insight and uh, trusted us uh, with this system. And uh, I would like to thank uh, Jen Hendricks and, uh, and Tanya, who uh, have done an endless job of testing the system and making sure that uh, the system does what it is expected to do. And I would uh, say that we wouldn't be able to develop this system without their uh, patience and great work in helping us to test and improve the system. Well, I want to thank you for the partnership, uh, incredibly rewarding partnership uh, and very beneficial to the department. And I uh, thank you for having me here to Optimo today, first time in the office here, and uh, look forward to partnering with you on future projects. I think you've made the case for how uh, your type of work benefit our department and a number of different problems that we face. So thanks for your expertise and your partnership, and it's been a pleasure to interview you on today. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. For this segment, I'm joined by Bill Nicklow from the Bureau of Investigations and Intelligence, or BII, and Aaron Brown from the Office of Population Management, or OPM. Today, we're talking about the IADSS system that was built for the Office of Population Management. In the first half of this episode, you heard from the folks who built that application and now wanted you to hear from the folks on the DOC side who are actually the customers and using this application. So we'll start out first uh, by asking Bill and Aaron to introduce themselves. Um, Aaron, if I could start with you, could you tell us about your professional background in corrections in the department and in criminal justice and kind of how you got to this point? Um, I am Erin Brown, like you said, I'm the Director of Population Management. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice from Penn State University and a master's degree from Shippensburg University in administration of justice. So I've worked for the Department of Corrections for uh, 11 years and I spent nine and a half of those years working for um, the same bureau that Bill now works for, the Bureau of Investigations and Intelligence as a special investigator and then most recently was promoted to the Director of Population Management. Um, Also, I am an adjunct instructor at Harrisburg Area Community College, where I've been teaching um, criminal justice courses for the last 11 years. Okay, so you and Bill kind of switched roles (laughs) and Bill was in your current position and now, Bill, can you um, tell us about your background, how you got here to where you are? Sure. Uh, my name is uh, Bill Nicola. I'm currently the major of the Bureau of Investigations and Intelligence, uh, BII. Uh, I started my career in corrections at SEI Camp Hill uh, about uh, 15 years ago. Um, I worked there, uh, worked my way up through the ranks. Um, I took a job at Central Office uh, in their security division as a special projects manager. Um, I was then an inspection captain for uh, Regional Deputy Secretary uh, Murray at the time. Um, and at that point, I, I, was, I was placed on uh, the supply chain transformation initiative that the department was doing at the time. And uh, 
the area of um, my role on the, on the supply chain transformation initiative was transportation. And that was my uh, gateway into uh, OPM, so to speak. So I started working closely with OPM at that point. Um, I took a position in OPM uh, as the transportation captain. And I helped get the uh, new hub from at SEI Benner Township that was, that was built in 2014 off the ground um, and implemented uh, some of the policies there for how, how that hub was, was operational and helped uh, make that transition from uh, the former hub at SEI Smithfield to SEI Benner Township. Um, I then uh, took a position as the director of the operation uh, of uh, Office of Population Management. And uh, at that point, um, we started uh, the Lehigh Project, the Inmate Assignment Decision uh, Support System. Um, and I worked on that project for about two and a half years until uh, Aaron uh, took my spot there. We kind of traded places. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, for listeners who don't know what OPM does, since both of you have worked in that office and in the history of the DOC, it's, it's actually a relatively, relatively new office, although it's been around for a while now. Can either of you talk about what's the mission of OPM and, and what does the Office of Population Management do? Sure. Uh, the Office of Population Management, we... We pretty much oversee um, the population of the Department of Corrections in ways of uh, bed management, uh, signing inmates to facilities for all different reasons. Um, We look at, basically what we try to do is we try to get inmates to the most appropriate facility the first time. So they come in for classification through um, SCI Camp Piddle, and then they are classified. And we look at numerous factors, which Um, We'll talk about a little bit more when we talk about the system, but we look at all of those factors and we want to ensure that we get inmates to the most appropriate facility um, for not only for what's best for the department, but what's best for the inmates so that they can get their programming if they have any, so um, they're eligible for parole when that time comes. And so we oversee all, anytime an inmate needs to move, um, we look at the reason for that move, we determine whether or not that's necessary. Um, we approve it, and then we set up trips to get those inmates moving. So we move about um, 700 to 750 inmates a week um, within the department. So we we oversee a lot of inmate movement. And how many staff do you have in your office? Uh, we have eight. Eight. Okay. <laughs> and the office start uh, first started in 2009, was it? Uh, I believe that is correct. 2008, 2009? Yeah, it used to, it used to be um, under the Bureau of Inmate Services. Uh, there was a, a population management uh, uh, role there that they did the trip assignments um, based on the classification that was done at SEI Camp Hill and uh, petition requests from other facilities for other reasons um, to move inmates interdepartmentally. Um, the number of the volume at that point was, was significantly less than it is now. Uh, and then the Office of Population Management grew from that. So uh, let's move into the IDSS now. Uh, Bill, you started out on this project, so you probably have the longest perspective on this. Um, myself, too. I, I was in on the project early on. But uh, can you tell us about the history of the IEDSS from your perspective? Uh, what, what need was this system addressing and what does it do? What does the system do? Sure. Uh, you know, when I, when I started in, in OPM and, and uh, really started looking at the processes that OPM did uh, as part of that supply chain transformation initiative 
that the department did uh, a few years ago. Um, the decisions that were being made uh, at OPM um, by eight staff, uh, you know, moving 36,000 or so inmates annually uh, and making those decisions with pen and paper, uh, essentially, kind of an archaic approach uh, to move that many inmates. Um, they, you know, the staff had to look at a lot of factors, the programmatic needs, the medical needs, the security concerns surrounding an inmate, the educational needs surrounding an inmate. Um, and, and all of our facilities are not created equal to accommodate those things. And the resources are not equal to accommodate uh, all of those needs. So uh, we would create these facility profiles, which were in-depth um, breakdown of, of all the resources and the accommodations that could be made at each facility. And then we looked at uh, each individual inmate sequentially uh, so you looked at one inmate at a time, you looked at what needs were associated with that inmate, what risks were associated with that inmate, and where the best place that you could you could place that inmate at that time. Um, and bed capacity, and too. The bed capacity at the facility, yeah. sure. Uh, the, 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 bus, the seat utilization of our buses to, to actually conduct the transports, um, the, the sentence structure to determine how quickly somebody needed to be enrolled into programming. Uh, the treatment programming waiting list, so uh, how, how long would that inmate have to wait once they got to that facility to be enrolled in programming, and how did that relate to their sentence structure and their, and their parole eligibility. So all those factors uh, came into play, and as you can tell, it, it becomes very, very cumbersome to do that. So to me, the, that was the biggest hurdle. Basically, uh, taking, if you had a list of 300 inmates that had to move, the first inmate, you made a really good choice for it. Number 300, maybe a lot less so. So uh, bringing a, a computer model into the game that can look at all of those individuals at the same time and make the best possible decision based on all the information that you have in that moment, all of the resources that are available, um, was game-changing. Uh, it was groundbreaking here in Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, I don't know how we ever did business right. without it. Do you have anything to add? I, I would just say, just to kind of add to that, um, I didn't work here when they did it manually. So to think that that's how it was actually done, seeing how it is done now is, I mean, the system can run, it can look at 150 inmates in a few minutes mm -hmm. and it, it brings back the results of what is the best facility for this individual and then overall as a department, if that, it may or may not be different. So it just seeing how quickly, um, and I think the biggest thing is that people kind of maybe I don't understand and when you work with the system is that it's looking at all of those factors so when Bill talked about programming medical security needs you know mental health needs education um, just everything whether or not the person is in a wheelchair whether or not they're deaf or blind like it takes all of that into consideration at one time and it's able to say okay this is this is where that inmate needs to go so I think just being able to assign inmates to the most appropriate facility right off the bat, um, you know, not only saves time and resources for the department, but it's a, you know, it's a public safety risk. You know, there's less inmate movement um, and it's good. It's what's best for the inmate. So it gets them to where they need to go quicker and, you know, they're at the most appropriate facility. So have you seen quantifiable savings? Have you seen actual savings? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's been some analysis that's done, and some of that's um, kind of subjective, but I think that you can you can definitely say that the number of transports, uh, based on this, and so mm -hmm. outside of uh, anything else that we have done over those periods, closing a facility, mass movement for whatever reason, um, those kind of things pop up. But our routine movement, uh, I think you can you can say that that has decreased, which which uh, is is 
uh, translated into into a cost savings for if you look at a cost per seat and cost per movement of, of an inmate and the, the mileage of uh, the, our buses on the road or fleet management. Um, I think that you can make uh, pretty really strong correlations to uh, the way that we're moving inmates now is creating safer environments inside of our facilities um, and, and there's some uh, cost savings that can that can be correlated there for uh, reduction in, in some violence and, and things like that and injuries to staff and, and other inmates um, so what those numbers are I, I don't know off the top of my head but yeah I mean I think that you can make some pretty strong correlations that uh, cost savings came from this absolutely we also have less staff that are doing it so those staff members can we can reallocate them to do other things other projects and i mean if an inmate gets to the facility um that's most appropriate we're looking at wait lists so if they get into a program quicker hopefully they that means they're going to make parole quicker which would be a cost savings for less inmates in our department less days in bed inside the facility and getting people getting people home i mean that's really our ultimate goal yeah is that you know get people um prepared for parole and eligible for parole as, as, as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm assuming not everything has been easy with this process. What have been some of the challenges of implementing IADSS along the way? I think early on, um, you know, some of the most daunting thing was mapping out the processes that we do um, and then asking the tough question, why do we do this? Uh, and then that change management internally with, with the facilities that, in, in our office. Uh, to get them to adopt the new changes and explain to them why this is better moving forward. And I think <coughs> excuse me. And I think that our staff did a really good job of uh, uh, understanding that change and, and, and adopting that. Um, there were definitely some some issues uh, with some of the decisions that we made and then the, the practicality of those decisions uh, didn't turn out the way that we thought they would on paper initially. Uh, but that's really a testament to the team from Lehigh um, to be able to, we, we identify those things really quickly through testing. It was very extensive testing that was done during um, the three years of, of implementation and development. Uh, and they were really quick on the turnaround. So we, we'd say, hey, this is a problem. This isn't working quite the way that we thought it was going to work. We need to come back to the drawing board on this uh, per se. And in a very short period of time, um, they had they had a new uh avenue a new mm-hmm. model kind of uh, tweaked and, and corrected those issues so it was it was a pretty smooth process um it was the smoothest uh process with any development team that i've worked with in, in any project that i've done in the department and uh, that's a testament to uh the staff at, Le- at lehigh that were, that were assigned to this project and of course uh no project like this is ever really done there's always modifications and improvements along the way aaron can you speak to any current modifications or improvements that are being made to the model going forward so we've actually i mean it just you know bill left and i slid right in and we you know have been continuously working with the team and any anytime something changes so whether it's just um you know a slight change in something a facility can accept or an overall goal of the department um we work closely with the team and anything that needs updated, they're right there. Um, they're ready to make those fixes. And, you know, sometimes it's just there's something that we know, you know, as staff that, OK, we, you know, maybe don't want to send, um, you know, a particular class of a type of inmate to a facility temporarily for whatever reason. Um, and we don't always make those changes in the system because it's just something that we know um, that's just a short period of time. But if it is something that's going to be long term, um, you know, we work with them and they make those changes very quickly. Um, I'm trying to think of like something that's happened recently. Um, 
and I, there's a million things, but I can't think of any yeah. right now. But there's definitely, like I said, anything, whether it's, okay, we're going to now allow, um, you know, certain programming. We're going to change the programming at a facility. We're going to add this programming. Then we get with the team and they add that program and they make it that um, those inmates are now accepted at that facility. So it's not like a violation anymore. Whereas previously we wouldn't send an inmate there for, you know, if they didn't have that program or, um, you know, special education. There's some facilities that have um, special education programs and some that don't. So if that changes, um, we change, you know, it's, it's quickly changed. So so I'm interviewing both of you because you're innovation leaders in the field, in our department. And that's what we do on the podcast is we, we want to talk to people that are at the forefront of doing really cool, innovative things. I wonder if you, Aaron, have any other things on your radar in OPM uh, that you want to do in the future that may be similar to this kind of work or anything within your purview in OPM that you're looking to do going forward? Um, one of the things that we've talked about um, is looking at the, I think Bill had mentioned it, like the bus utilization, um, making sure that we are filling our buses when they go from point A to point B, making sure that the routes are the most efficient routes that we have set up. Um, and so we've been exploring whether or not we could use a system like this um, to look at, you know, this is where our inmates are, this is where they need to go. Um, this is, you know, the route that they should take. And these are the inmates that should go on the bus at that time to make sure we're utilizing, you know, all of the seats on the bus and, and making, you know, even fewer trips if possible. So that's not some, just the way our process is now. Um, I think we do a good job of that. But obviously a computer, you know, a mathematical equation is going to be able to do that, you know, better than a human could taking all things into consideration. So we've started um, very brief conversations about maybe looking into and exploring that option. And Bill, we I know we've been mostly talking about OPM, but you're now in BII. Could you tell us briefly about what BII does and do you see any application in BII for this kind of optimization work, the kind of work that the Lehigh uh, team has done uh, or any other thing that you could tell us about in your purview and BII that you're working on that's kind of innovative or trying to improve efficiency or effectiveness? Sure. Uh, I think that this type of uh, technology and this, this type of approach can be applied to, uh, you know, the Bureau of Investigation and Intelligence in, in my area of, of purview there is, is the intelligence collection. Um, and the analytics piece of that, uh, taking those the information, taking those individuals that we identify as part of a security threat group uh, or uh, as a high risk inmate to introduce contraband into our facility or an inmate that's high risk to uh, uh, be a perpetrator of violence within our facilities or disruption within our facilities um, and, and kind of doing some analysis and, and applying these types of models to that analysis is, is something that's very viable. Um, it's something that people are looking at, uh, predictive analysis mm -hmm. models, essentially. Um, so yeah, I think that, that uh, something like this could be applied to those types of situations. Well, uh, I want to thank you both for joining me on this segment, and it was a pleasure to interview you both, and great work on IDSS. I know it's been a tremendous benefit to OPM and to the department, and has won uh, numerous awards now and received a lot of accolades, so thanks for both your leadership on that and for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.